0: Welcome to the Just In News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross. Guys, I'm happy to be here. It's a, it's a Wednesday night, 10.36 p.m. on the West Coast. I'm going to have to get to bed sometime soon, I'm sure. But I'm just I'm happy to be up. I'm happy to be feeling good at this hour. The last couple of nights have been a little rough. I had a little food poisoning. I was going to put this podcast out on a Monday, but instead I was violently vomiting into a toilet. Um... I felt like I was back in college again, so or like you know, a year ago. But anyway, um, I I uh, I'm happy to be here with you. I had a great interview that you're going to enjoy. It's with Headcount.org founder Andy Bernstein, who is also a former uh, author and uh, journalist wrote the book uh, The Farmer's Almanac, which is like like the. Uh, the ultimate guide to going to fish concerts, so if you're a fish fan, you want to listen to this because i I asked Andy at the end of the interview I, um, obviously we focused on headcount, which is an incredible organization I'll get to in a second, but I do ask Andy at the end of the interview what his favorite fish concert that he talked about in the book was, and he did say uh. I'm gonna. I'll spare you the answer, but I will say that if you are a fish fan, you're gonna want to listen, or if you're just into like LSD, you may also want to listen. I don't know, but um, had a great time interviewing him, and let's see what else. What else do we do? Uh, Oh yeah, Headcount. Over six hundred and twenty-two thousand people Headcount has has registered over the years since 2004, and I asked him about. Uh, what it's like to, to go out to festivals to rock concerts. That's actually where I kind of got in touch with headcount. I knew about headcount, but I, uh, I got in touch with them when I was at a festival in Denver or outside of Denver. And so I asked them you know what what their plan is for uh, coming up here in the next election. Obviously, a lot of people are gonna be voting. Um, I asked them how it's what it's like to be kind of a nonpartisan organization in a very partisan world and how they got started. And he started this in 2004 and what sort of his motivation behind everything was. So we had a great time and uh, I really appreciate Andy and the folks at headcount.org. Now I do want to get to, before we get to the interview, I want to get to the three, my main three takeaways from this week's, and last week's, uh, impeachment testimony. Where was
1: I? Oh yeah, Donald Trump, fuck that guy. Well, it's easy to believe that we all been deceived by a narcissistic prick dick with tricks up his sleeve. Like we never had sex, but got an STD. But Trump is a symptom, he ain't the disease. With that bug, you better call the GOP. Those motherfuckers are headed for the
0: DOC. Number one takeaway, Devin Nunes and Jim Jordan are idiots. I mean, different types of idiots, right? Like, Devin Nunes only has conspiracy theories based on made-up intelligence, and through his own erroneous talking points and nonsensical lines of questioning, is showing that he himself has no intelligence. Meanwhile, I would say probably a close second, Jim Jordan, otherwise known as the Tasmanian Devil and or Human Cocaine, is just doing masterpiece theater the likes that only Lindsey Graham during a Judge Brett Kavanaugh hearing could compete with. Democrats take solace in the fact that these two men are using man on a park bench at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning arguments. And, well, let's just face it, they speak to one person, that's Donald Trump, and hopefully not to a majority of Americans. Number two, a little hope for optimism here. There are some pretty remarkable folks working in the US government. And I'm sure some of these people I don't agree with politically. But Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vinman, the man who sounds like Tom Brokaw, Ambassador Bill Taylor. And of course George Kent and his now famous Keg of Water, which was only a very normal looking reusable bottle which like a, like a cyclist would use but according to Fox's Laura Ingram looked like quote an oxygen tank all of these folks are amazing people from what I can tell and yet they all seem to have offered testimony which was damning to Trump and clearly their testimony also showed that they were caught in the middle of, as former National Security Advisor and well-known mustache ride-giver John Bolton called it, a drug deal. Which Adam Schiff had to remind his Republican colleagues was not a literal drug deal, but a simple analogy to show how clearly fucked up this entire situation is that has now led us to these impeachment hearings in the first place. But hats off to uh, all of those folks, including Volcker, And Morrison, who testified, uh, it does take some amazing courage to get up there in front of Congress and the public and give that testimony, uh, albeit with Donald Trump uh, tweeting at you during it. And my number three takeaway from the impeachment testimony thus far, the Trump administration is a cesspool. And no, I'm not talking about the folks who I just mentioned, because... Not all of government's bad at all. But the people close to Trump. It's a cesspool. It's a swamp. It's an overflowing urinal at an Oakland A's game. And trust me, I know what an overflowing urinal at an A's game looks like because I am an A's season ticket holder. Just think about this, though. Ambassador Gordon Sondland. His testimony today, in his opening statement, he said from day one, everyone from Mike Pence to Mike Pompeo to fucking Mike Tyson knew about the demand to withhold vital aid money so that they could get Ukraine to investigate Burisma, the oil and gas company in Ukraine, and the Bidens as well as debunked conspiracy theories about Ukraine hacking the 2016 election. Basically, we weren't going to give them foreign aid money. Trump was holding that up and everybody knew about that so that we could get them to announce that they are investigating Joe Biden. That was the whole fucking point and everyone knew about it. And the person giving this testimony, laying all this out there, Ambassador Gordon Sondland, who only got his title of ambassador to the EU because he wrote a million dollar check to Donald Trump's inauguration fund. That's right. He didn't get his. The only reason he got his job was because he wrote a million dollar check. You know what Sondland's qualifications to be ambassador to the EU, you know what his qualifications are? He's a hotel magnate. He owns hotels, which I know sounds absurd, right? Except when you realize that the only possible qualification for Donald Trump to be president of the United States is that he owns hotels. That's it. Not that I think that is a qualification, but for Donald Trump, that is. So maybe that makes sense. But the fact is, is it really doesn't make sense. And Donald Trump is an overflowing urinal at an Oakland A's game.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by Dahmer Family Cured Meats. Whether you're looking for thighs, legs, belly, ribs, shanks, any cut of meat, nobody cures meat like the Dahmers. Started in 1918 by old Denny Dahmer, our obsession with butchering, curing, and smoking meat of all shapes and sizes has only gotten stronger and more insatiable. Dahmer Family Cured Meats, no meal is complete without our sweet meat.
1: Or can I get a moment just to have a thought? I want to shout a thousand words of rage because you've been tweeting out a lot. And lately, I've been wondering if this blundering mess is just a room so you can plunder us and live in excess. All
0: the while we've been Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest. He is the executive director of Headcount.org, a nonprofit voter registration organization. He started with Mark Brownstein of the Disco Biscuits. He's also worked as a journalist and the author of The Farmer's Almanac, a guide to the band Fish that sold over 70,000 copies. Andy Bernstein, thanks so much for being my guest.
3: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: Your organization has been uh, very successful over the years. Uh, Since 2004, when you guys started, you've registered more than 622,000 voters and counting. Uh, I know you guys work with Bands, you know, all across kind of the musical spectrum from Jay-Z to I know Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead is on your board. But I'm curious, and I got to ask, have you ever tried registering voters at a Ted Nugent concert?
3: Well, we actually did reach out years ago to Ted Nugent to see if he wanted to have us and we didn't get a response. And we've made a very concerted effort to do Kid Rock, which is a little more contemporary and demographically appealing in terms of age. And Kid Rock didn't want to have us. So I think that, you know, I think that the point of the question is, are we trying to cover all sides of the political spectrum? And the answer is yes. We're probably going to be doing a bunch of country music television this year. Um, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're in every region of the country, whether it's red or blue. So we definitely do our best to register anybody, and But the music world tends to, I mean, there, are, there is a very, very small number of musicians who are outspokenly on the right. Um, you know, we have done Kanye shows in the past, and we continue to, um, and you, you, you've got a lot of musicians who are outspoken on the left, but where headcount comes in is we want to register everybody to vote. It doesn't matter who they vote for, it doesn't matter where they leave on the issues. Uh, it matters that they're making their voices heard, and we've been very true to
0: that. I think from day
3: one.
0: But is it is it hard like to get conservative voices uh, involved in your organization? I mean, because it sounds like just just from those two examples, it sounds like it it can be challenging at times. I mean, like even the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, you know, when it comes to a national election holiday, has come out and said that that is that is you know designed to to get more Democrats to go out and vote and for Democrats to win elections. I mean. Is it is it hard to get to get conservative voices uh, in music, but also just you know whether it's politicians or activists involved in in what you guys do?
3: Well, it is, and I think for the reason that you just said that there is a perception that voting itself is a partisan act, or trying to get more people to vote is a partisan act. And there are areas where we've seen engagement on both sides, and areas where we haven't. Uh, a positive example is just. Uh, the National Voter Registration Day, which is the last uh, Tuesday in September. This year, for the first time, you saw a lot of Republican voices engaging, including President Trump, including Newt Gingrich, um, trying to get conservatives to vote. And that's one of the ideas of National Voter Registration Day is it's it's the holiday where everybody can get their own communities out to vote. And um, so we have seen that particular Initiative, which Headcount is one of the founders of, that has, I think, has has crossed the aisle. And where it's definitely crossed the aisle is that Secretaries of State and the various states all support that, and many of them are elected Republicans. But uh, at the same time, what we've seen is just the idea of expanding access to voting, making it easier to vote, is seen as having some sort of partisan uh, agenda yeah and that's really a shame because democracy is not partisan. the whole point of democracy is that both sides are heard. So when we're at a point where just the the very patriotic act of encouraging voting is questioned, it's certainly a shame.
0: Do you guys get involved when it comes to specific issues and advocacy for? Besides weed, I imagine a lot of music goers like weed, but besides that, like do you guys do you guys look when it comes to like issues like that do you do you do you advocate for certain roles or certain positions?
3: Only when it comes to voting rights, and this is something that we've talked about a lot over the years it has come up a lot and issues are a great way to get the vote out um, but it's very hard to message around an issue without kind of taking a side on it. And so <clears throat> excuse me, the the thing you'll hear from headcount is, hey, if you care about X, you should vote. But even that, you know, the, the words you choose and things like that become tainted in, in a perception of partisanship. Thanks. So we're um we're always just trying to find a way to be relevant without trying to point people in one direction or speak more loudly to people on one
0: side than the other. Right, right. Um, I want to get to sort of the, the story of Headcount and, and how it all started, but um, I'm wondering just like personally for you, like why, why did you want to start this? Like when you were growing up, like was there, like did you go and see a concert yourself and, and get inspired politically or like how, why did this come about for, for you?
3: Well, It was you know, I was always a very political person and followed the news closely and and really that was very separate from going to fish shows or writing a book about fish. But one day I just sort of had a moment where I said, I gotta stop complaining and I gotta do something and it was late two thousand three, the height of the Iraq war and I just finished a phone call with somebody where the conversation had turned to Guantanamo Bay and what we felt about that and I just said you know what it's time for me to see how I can make a positive difference and I had the idea for Head Count the thinking was if I can just get more people to vote who go to the same concerts I do well that's how I can make a difference and uh, I shared the idea with Mark Brownstein of the Disco Biscuits who's an old friend of mine and uh We both agreed that the way to do this was nonpartisan, nonjudgmental. Who we vote for doesn't matter. But uh, what matters is that everybody is making their voice heard. And so that's how it began. And it really took off from day one. Our first bands to sign up were like Michael Franti and Government Mule and the Derek Trucks Band. uh, And of course the Disco Biscuits. And then pretty quickly... Dave Matthews, Dan, and Fish, and the dad got on board with Bobby as a board member, and uh, from there it's just been growth year after year. And I think that for the 2020 election, we'll register 200,000 people or more, and um, probably be at a total of around 3,500 events. And uh, it's just really exciting times. We're, we're we're feeling everything take off right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I mean, I knew about you guys uh, a while back. Uh, I had heard about Headcount, but. I, I actually got in touch with somebody with your organization at uh, a festival in Colorado. And that's how I kind of, I was like, well, I should, I should, you know, I should try talking to you guys because wandering around, you know, as you do at festivals, uh, somewhat inebriated. And I was like, whoa, they, they seem like nice people. And uh, and, and I'm wondering, like, is, is the whole process of, like, registering voters at concerts, like, it seems like a, a nice place to be able to capture people. People are, are trying to raise money or, or get somebody to sign a petition or, or even vote. It's done outside of like a target. But you guys, you guys have, have um, I feel like, caught people in, in the right spot. Is that, is that is that what you've noticed over the years? Is like most of your interactions are, are I imagine, pretty friendly and, and inviting?
3: Yeah, well, any conference are where young people gather. Um, it is a very... Uh, natural place for communities to form or where communities come together so a lot of the things that are and, and you, know, you can register a lot of people at a supermarket you can and, and we do a lot of that actually because we're trying to do more community events one of the things we're trying to be sensitive to is that a concert can cost money and anybody at a concert has disposable income whereas um, it's important to be at a street fair or something like that where anybody can come whether they have a nickel in their pocket or not Um, But concerts certainly are special, and and musicians are natural leaders, and uh, you have a stage, literally, um, where someone can speak from, and uh, the work that we do with an Ariana Grande or a dating company, it really stands out because it's multidimensional. It's not just us setting up a table. Uh, There's a lot of messaging to it and a lot of customization that's in the voice and look of the artist. And that's uh, proven to be a winning formula for
0: us. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was thinking about it. You, you were talking about a second ago how kind of what how you got involved in this and, and why you decided to do something when it was the Iraq War and um, in Guantanamo Bay. I was actually, I mean, around that time I was graduating high school, and I remember I remember that quite well myself. I'm wondering, like, how has over the years, how have things changed uh, politically and, and how has the dialogue changed when it comes to the interactions you guys have had? You know, because obviously back then, I mean, Fox News was was around the Iraq War, like people there was a lot of partisanship. But now I think it's 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 at a whole different level that I, I don't know if anybody could have ever imagined. Is it is it more difficult to have conversations with people around voting? Like you you know, talking about getting Republicans involved, is, is all that more difficult these days? Or, or has it just changed?
3: Well, I think that in a lot of ways, things are very similar. And people forget how polarized the country was in 2003, 2004. It was a very, very amped up time. There was a massive increase in voter turnout that year compared to 2000. So in a lot of ways, things are very similar. We just sort of forgot about it because you didn't feel that quite at the same level during the Obama years where there was a sort of, I think, more a feeling of disillusionment and people who supported him couldn't figure out why he couldn't get more done and people who didn't support him felt that they weren't represented. Um, but I think the polarization we see now is not a new thing, and I think it existed. And, and also the, the just the heightened awareness. What is different now is, and my answer may surprise you, My what is different is that I think that people view, the left views the right with such contempt right now. Uh, How could you? You're an immoral person. I don't want to be your Facebook friend with you if you support Donald Trump. And I don't know if it ever quite got to that level, maybe to a certain extent, yes, but I think it's more widespread now where the, 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 the president of the United States and the leader of the right is viewed by the left in some ways as illegitimate and not a reason choice for somebody to get behind but can only be explained by racism and things like that. And I think that's very unhealthy. Um, I think that when we look at people who disagree with us with absolute judgment and contempt, we, we can't have a dialogue. And um, dialogue is an important part of the American process, and I think that both sides are very guilty of this. I think that, you know, certainly the the right is is also doing this kind of thing where it's just the, you know, the the finger pointing and the name calling and the, you're terrible. And I think we saw this particularly in the Obama years from the right, and now we're seeing it in the Trump years from the left. And to me, as someone who's running a nonpartisan organization, it's like, (laughs) can't we all just get along? And and I really believe that. I, I really genuinely do.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by Stephen Miller's Pure White Chocolates. Manufactured in the whitest place on earth, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Stephen Miller's Pure White Chocolates come with no fillers, extra butter, extra sugar, extra milk, and a dash of pure white prejudice. Stephen Miller's Pure White Chocolates. Eat what you love, as long as it's white.
1: Every morning I've been waking alone Open my eyes and I stare at my phone I can't believe it's been a whole damn year of me checking the news to see if we're still here. But the truth is, I don't know if anybody will last. I ain't somebody I, I just like to want
0: to kind of follow past, up on that because I think I, I get where you're coming from. I totally understand sort of your perspective running a nonpartisan organization. But I guess it just seems hard to have that dialogue. I mean, are you seeing any I would imagine with what you guys do, like you're actually seeing more activists, uh, or, or you're maybe even seeing people wanting to get more involved because because of the contempt they see. I mean, maybe it's just more people on the left, but I feel like uh, it's it's kind of activated or energized people in a way because Donald Trump is so polarizing. Is, is that what you're seeing at all?
3: Big, no doubt. And the country is more energized than it's ever been, and there's polling data to show it. Like, just enthusiasm for voting is at an all-time high for both parties. And usually it's a phenomenon where it's one party or the other, and it's often the party that is not in control, where people are most motivated to vote. Right. What we saw in the midterm elections and we're seeing now is the polling is coming back very high for both parties. So and that's, that's the, the silver lining here. Whatever you think about a country and this polarized state and the politics and who's in charge, We are at a time where people are becoming more engaged. And, you know, if you believe in democracy and you believe that uh, a participatory democracy thrives um, and is a good thing when people are engaged, then that is an unquestioned positive that's come out of this. And, you know, when politics are constantly in the news and constantly being talked about, it, it has some you know put some wear and tear on people's psyche but ultimately they're more likely to come out and vote and feel more invested so i think that's that's the time we're living in and it won't last forever so it's important that we create lasting habits out of voting and that we take this time to really do things better and i think you're seeing some improvements in voting systems and some steps backwards and i think that's the whole conversation about that i think is it, it really come down to political talking points right now and that we're not even having rational conversations about election systems, which are, you know, things that we should be able to talk about kind of dispassionately and improve upon. Um, and that's a shame as well. But, yeah, we're at a time of heightened political awareness. And that's uh, it's certainly been a great ride for Headcount to be on. I mean, we've had a, a very exciting few years where we feel like we're having a lot of impact because there's so much... Um,
0: embrace of what we're doing absolutely unless of course you're you're ted nugent um (laughs) but different states have have different laws around voting like you know from voter id laws to the the timing that you can register to vote when it comes to an election uh how how much of it is a, a challenge for you guys to work around those state laws and those those kind of hurdles when it comes to trying to register folks to vote
3: I would say it's a modest challenge. It's not an overwhelming challenge. We have a great team in place. And uh, when our volunteers come out to the show, they get trained. We also have what we call a cheat sheet, which is a clipboard on the the clipboard. It it has all the different state rules. It's honestly not that hard. And um, we put a lot of time into making it easy for others. Uh, and if anybody wants to volunteer with Headcount, you can go to headcount.org and volunteer. You can also register to vote. You can get voter information there, such as the different deadlines and things like that. But, you know, it, it, it's like anything. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd have one voting system for the entire country. There'd be no deadline. There, A lot of people, including us, believe in automatic voter registration. I mean, there's no reason to create a barrier to voting that's, in modern times, just not needed. But it's, I think... In the end, people have to want to vote, and people have to feel empowered, and people have to feel like their voice makes a difference. So even if you get rid of all of these barriers, there's still going to be a lot of people who don't vote. And our job is to make uh, it more appealing and to empower people who do vote to be able to influence those who don't, and uh, make elections this national cultural event that we aspire for it to be.
0: Absolutely.
2: today's podcast is brought to you by panic at the disco catchy synth pop and cocaine
1: (laughs) can i get some quiet can i get some peace the truth is getting buried in the babble could you shut the fuck up please everyone is lying and we're destined to fail because nobody's been driving we're getting off of the rails oh man this is I got a little baby. I wanna keep it cool, but the mercury is blazing.
0: Stoked the I gotta ask. You wrote the Farmer's Almanac uh, about the band Fish. Uh, what is what is like your favorite story of the things that you wrote in that book of 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 being at fish concerts and and seeing what is a uh, kind of a phenomena.
3: Oh boy! Well, you caught me off guard. I uh, <laughs> I would say that the. Um, Seven sixteen uh, 94 was it? Yeah, seven sixteen ninety four. 94 uh, fish at, uh, at Sugarloaf is one of the more popular stories in the book. So I would, if anybody wants to take a gander at their Old Farmer's Almanac, that, that's a good one to look at. Um, I think, uh, you know, I remember fondly that we did a survey of the popular, most Popular shows of all time and 1231.95 came out on top. And to me, I've always believed that is the Cornell 77 of fish, and it was nice to see <laughs> that quantified. Um, lastly, I enjoyed, I did an interview with a guy named Rob Desarro, who was, uh, a contemporary, and he went to UVM at the same year as the Fish Guys and had a band called the Joneses and he remembered stuff that nobody to this day has ever documented ever anywhere since and like what the first Fish Jam was where it happened it happened in a, a dorm called Wing Davis Wilk and he was able to kind of unlock certain things in the very very early period that i've never seen anywhere else so i always have fond memories of running that interview and having that conversation
0: i was going to say i think i think that book is probably so valuable for any fish fan just because i imagine a lot of fish fans may not remember their own experiences so uh, you i think have done a real service not just with headcount but also for the the fish fans out there um <laughs>
3: well thanks yeah we' you know we're coming up on it It's been nearly twenty years since we last published one. I think the last one was two thousand one um but I still find you know people remember it and people still repeat things back from it and uh it's uh it definitely formed the groundwork for headcount i mean there, were, there couldn't be a headcount without a farmers all and I learned a lot of lessons doing that that I apply every day so it's been uh it's been a wild run been uh feel like i've i've been uh been around this
0: earth uh, several times, <laughs> but, uh, and, and maybe maybe dimensions that we we, we don't even know. Um, last last thing, how can people get involved with Headcount? in, in like as a volunteer, I mean, do you, do people are they people able to catch you know shows for free or like what kind of benefits do you get for being involved? Because it, it seems like a pretty yeah, cool absolutely. organization.
3: When you go uh, volunteer, you do get to see shows for free. We're uh, careful about how we talk about that because you'll also miss part of the show. Yeah. And we want people who are there because they're genuinely excited to register voters. Um, if it's just, it's hard work. So, you know, if it's just for a free concert ticket, you're going to be working pretty hard for that free concert ticket. But I find that people who really enjoy it, enjoy the whole experience. They enjoy registered voters. They enjoy seeing the show. They enjoy meeting other like-minded people. So if that sounds appealing, then definitely visit our website, headcount.org. And we have hundreds and hundreds of shows. Um, They're all on our website. We're in 62 cities right now. So if you live in a major metropolitan area, chances are that um, there's going to be something on the calendar. And if you live in a place that isn't one of those 62 cities, but there's a lot of music coming through your town, and you maybe know the local promoters and can kind of get it going in a smaller city, we're always open to that conversation, too. We have a lot of people who are in maybe what we call B or C markets, what they call in the industry, that's uh, that's how they refer to uh, different cities for concerts. Um, You know, we have people work in those cities, too, but it it takes a special level of kind of community engagement to make it work in the smaller cities. But I encourage anybody to check out our website, and it's a very... Welcoming environment. We are always looking for new people, and uh, we're always excited when new people sign
0: up. Well, I, I, I'm I'm going to be in Gulfport, Mississippi, for the next nine months. So uh, I don't know what level market that is, Andy. But uh, but you know what? I'll I'll see if I can rally together a massive event so you guys can show up. there. <laughs> um, All right. Th- thank you so much for what you guys. Seriously, what what Headcount has done, I think, is is extremely valuable, and uh, you know you're seeing folks, you know, whether it's Stacey Abrams um, or Andrew Gillum in Florida, uh, you know, they are out there registering voters, but you guys were doing it way back in, in 2004. And so um, thank you for what you guys do. And a uh, big shout out to Marjorie, who is uh, who I initially talked to in Colorado and um, eventually got in touch with you. So so thanks so much for for doing the podcast, Andy, and uh, and good luck in 2020. As I imagine, you guys will be working really hard.
3: Well, bigger shout out to Marjorie from me, and she's doing a great job in Colorado. Our whole Colorado team, you guys are doing fantastic. And, um, you know, and that can be said for almost every city in the country, but particularly in Colorado, we're really proud of the work that's being done there.
0: It's Andy Bernstein, Executive Director of HeadCount.org. Andy, thanks so much for being on the Just News podcast. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks.